0: On this podcast, we discuss real-life experiences with teens and adults right here in Santa Barbara. The knowledge we gain and share from these talks are an aim to help young men and women build a solid foundation of confidence. In this episode, I speak with an older homie of mine, Philip Rendon. Philip came up about two generations before me, though still we share a lot in common. We are both family men and entrepreneurs, but before that, We both had been jumped into the East Side Crazies by age of 15. Fortunately, it didn't take long for us to figure out we were setting ourselves up for failure with the choices we had been making as young teens. We noticed a lot of homies were dying, going to prison, or becoming dope fiends. And that if we didn't change our actions, we would suffer the same fate. In the following discussion, we speak about events that helped us start making better life decisions and the path we have been on to help others to do the same my main focus with with this podcast because in the nonprofit that that my team and I are starting what helped build confidence for us was martial arts, fitness, work ethic and a family the family values. Not everybody has family, but if you could learn the family values, it 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 helps out tremendously. So that's what we try to do a lot with the podcast, talk about all those all those different things and one thing I, I haven't started yet, but it's with talking about this gang, the gang life. Mm-hmm. And I've done something similar, like a similar type of framework where I, I've talked to uh, drug- recovering drug addicts who have been sober for years now. They've gone through everything like other drug addicts have, but yet they have found a, a way to stay sober, clean, and not only that, but happy, like fulfilled mm-hmm. in their life. And to me, I'm obsessed with finding those strategies and sharing them, so others can learn from them, and then either do the same thing or take it and put their own spin on it. But know that you you, you can do it. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of stuff you can hear YouTube, other podcasts, where you'll hear um, multi-million dollar uh, people strategies, billionaires strategies, famous people strategies, and I feel. A lot of people can't really relate because they're yeah. like, this person's a billionaire, yeah, it works for him, but that's not me. I'm never gonna you know, be a billionaire or oh, I'm never gonna be famous, so they just they won't even listen to mm-hmm. it. And I feel if we all in our own community share our different experiences and, and life stories that people will be able to go like, Well, Philip, I mean I know I know Philip. He's my tattoo artist. He that's he's been through that. Oh, I can do I can do the same thing. You know, and same thing for me. Gil Gil started a business at 18 years old, and and he's still been running it. Most businesses don't last a year. He's had it for 18 years. He's a cool, humble person. I can I can be I can do that. So that's what I'm I'm obsessed about that's getting cool. out there. And when it comes to when it comes to. uh, Gangs, especially here in in the 805 in particular in, in Santa Barbara, you know, it's Santa Barbara ain't no L.A. It's mm-hmm. not no where you got to live or die. You walk out of your door and you might die be, just because of the neighborhood you live in. And I know from my experiences, what led me to get jumped in was just really because I was tired of being... A loner and I was okay with okay I, I, I came to an understanding that okay I'm a loner I'll be a loner I'll be okay just I don't need any friends I don't need to talk to anybody I'll go to school handle my business and then I'll go home but yet because I was alone I was small I was skinny you know people seen that as a prime <laughs> as a prime target to to try to punk around and you know so that after i made up my after that went on and taking taking that swallowing that pill for a long time i saying you know finally saying well fuck this shit <laughs> i'm I gonna i'm gonna i ain't gonna do that anymore and um you know really I, I played sports all my life but i could never click with anybody in sports enough to actually have any type of friendship outside of the the team and um, same school never could make really any friends. I was I didn't I wasn't a great student, so I didn't stand out to to teachers and and administrators and and I just remember in in as a freshman I finished my my last year of freshman ball and I realized I don't want to play football anymore. I've been playing it since I was eight years old. I did basketball, baseball. I was like I'm tired of it. I've been doing that for so many years. I don't find it fulfilling anymore, especially now in high school. I'm, I'm the same height I am today, but 145 pounds, <laughs> so I'm like a stick, you know. I'm it, and it, I'm not. It just football wasn't it wasn't as fun anymore, and, and at the my first year, my first game was the first time that I sat on the sideline the whole time, didn't play one game. Like why foul you at least get 12 plays. <laughs> but uh, luckily, I. I I earned my a starting spot, and I played. But I was just like after that, like no, it's not. Nah, I just I'm I'm done. And I was lo- I was desperately looking for something within school that I could be a part of. I remember that. And of course I I did dress the part, but I I wasn't. But that's just my all my family. Yeah. That that's all they knew. They knew, they knew gang life. You know, East Side West Side, and and so I dressed the part. But that's just how I thought. Um, John McConnell's dress yeah exactly yeah. exactly and um, I remember walking into the office asking like uh, I had a, uh, I had took an interest in golf so I went to the to the golf coach and asked him like hey um, I'd like to join the team what what can I do to get on the team and he just looked at me and he's like oh like we're full uh, we don't have any we don't have any space so at that I, mean, I didn't put two and two together I didn't think like That oh he's just hating on me because the way I'm dressed I, I look back and I know that's what it was now because why would you tell a kid who wants to play a sport no we're full like go away (laughs) (laughs) especially for golf you know
1: usually you you practice with us and see what yeah come
0: check it out you know but well anyways I I say okay and then finally I'm just like fuck I'm tired of this I'm tired of feeling scared I'm tired of not having any friends. I'm tired of not being able to get any girls because I don't got any confidence to talk to them. And if I do, uh, I'm automatically just put in the friend zone because they, they look at me as like a a little kid, basically. And I just remember, so fuck it. I'm going to just, I'm going to go pretty much try like what I know my cousins are, are doing. And uh, I'm going to go start kicking it.
1: schools <laughs> are all into in
0: too. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Yeah, they were, you know, they were all in it, they were all older than me, but I was familiar with that life because of, you know, they've taken me around every now and then and meeting, meeting different homies. And so then I start to go kick it. And then it, it goes from not being able to click with anybody, you know, and pretty much feeling out of place to now you found a group to where I feel that's why a big part of why gangs will never die is because they're open to all the fuck-ups, the misfits. Mm. Like, you don't fit in anywhere. You can't do, you don't have, have no, you don't need special skills. Mm-hmm. You just got to be down to come and uh, do pretty much what they're looking for is somebody to, if you can hang out with them and, and fight when it's time to, you know, to put on work or to or at least to stand so that's up for de- What you're explaining is, like, the definition of gangs.
1: Because mm. all gangs are, are disenfranchised kids unionizing. Yeah. That's it. So we're all disenfranchised, we're all misfits, we fit together, we link we link up. I see that. And I see And that's that. not all a bad thing. No. No That's what that's a misinterpretation of it. People think that's a bad thing. Or people they want they want they've had like on K E Y T they kept trying to tell me, Well Will will you uh will you uh speak out against the East side or will you denounce the East side So. I'm, I, if you're trying to ask me if I denounce gang violence, I completely and one hundred percent denounce gang violence, do I denounce the east side never mm-hmm. i'm never well, I'm not an ex gang member I'm an ex gang
0: banger mm-hmm. I still that, there was a lot of good relationships that we built as well oh yeah and i'm I'm right there with you i I don't think see gangs aren't a bad thing. it's what the gangs are doing right now. Yeah. it's what that what they they don't have a strong leader to show them to show them. A good way to like handle their what they call a gang but mm-hmm. really it's their crew it's their team it's no different from the democratic party the republican party it's all the same my, my company your company it's like all it is is a bunch of people who are together wanting to just be to be live be significant yeah. yeah yeah be significant get that yeah. money and power to feel significant like you say it's the same thing as anything else anything else you know And and that like that won't go away that's what mm. humans do so I believe it's a matter of how can you put better leaders in in place, or or work with the leaders to get the best out of these groups mm-hmm. that we call gangs, because there's there's high talent in there. Like mm-hmm. If you if you get a you get some 13, 14 year old who's willing to go kill, to go stab somebody, to go rob somebody, just for the for the namesake of his of his so his so-called gang, like what else is this dude capable of? If he steered with great leadership, mm-hmm. like that's some warrior shit right there. Yeah. That that that's no fear and just ready to do. Like point me and I and I'll go do it. Like that's what you got in these in these gangs. But as soon like you get labeled, and then you're considered an, an outcast from the rest of the society. Granted, they. They've done horrible things and they got bad names, but it's real easy to forget, I think, that these guys are they're youngsters, they're they're little they're kids, you know, they're they don't 14, have, 15 year olds. Their brains aren't fully developed. They don't mm-hmm. even
1: have like that that critical thinking, they don't even have it yet.
0: They yeah, even if they wanted to, they couldn't. <laughs> but if they had strong leaders if they had good leadership, there's so much potential going their way. Mm-hmm. And uh and the cycle I see and I'd love to get your opinion on this is you go in young right and your idols are older homeboys and you're 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 kicking it you're 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 putting in work and you're and you're and you're constantly trying to get to where they're at and without that critical thinking you're not seeing that your older homeboys this you know, twenty year old that still doesn't have a job, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is living off his his parent or his grandparents, and he's a he's a dope fiend. Dope like you you're you're not seeing that, but at the same time, that's what you're striving to be, and you don't even know it. Mm-hmm. And the older homeboy, he's went through it. He know he he I believe at that time you're getting to know like fuck like I wasted a lot of my life, I can't get a good job, I got a bad record, I got I got kids that I can't even support. And when you feel like a a loser and you feel insignificant, it's gonna lead to a more downward spiral. But you're also gonna want people around you that are gonna make you feel good. Mm -hmm. And that's the little homies. Outside society thinks you're a, pretty much a piece of shit. Like you're a 20, 21 year old, you haven't done nothing with your life, you're you're a dropout or all you did was get your GED, you can't keep a job, you're like no good. So we don't want you. So like, that cycle just keeps continuing because now the older homeboy all she can get is is love from the the little homies.
1: That's it, yeah. And
0: how are you gonna give that up when you know there's nothing out there else for you? Mm-hmm. So now you're gonna you're gonna play that card to the best of your ability, right? And you got all these these army of youngsters idolizing you, and so you're gonna you're gonna keep telling them what they want. Don't hear.
1: do that dumb thing. Yeah. Fairy tale.
0: Yeah, and so the younger homie grows in to be that older homie and then it just keeps on going and going mm-hmm. so uh, what's your take on that
1: it, it it it's a matter of giving people hope and self-worth It's like people want to solve the gang issue gangs are not the issue mm-hmm. gangs are the symptom of the issue you know and, and it's like i said people being disenfranchised people coming from broken homes poverty you know, all those different things, they, they have a factor in it. So people don't have any kind of self-worth. So they gain their self-worth from from fighting or doing all these different crazy things. Oh, so this dude's crazy. He's doing this and that. But at the end of the day, none of that really means anything. None of that really holds any kind of weight. But like if we could get people to believe in themselves and have some kind of self-worth. Like I look at gangs, like I love the East Side. I'm, I am love the crazies. You know, I love, I love all of that stuff. I want to make them better. I want to make those people better. I want to see all these homies that are getting clean, getting sober, that have jobs, that are making things. I don't, want to, I don't want to send them down a path and we're going to go do this and you're going to end up in prison for the rest of your life. Because I gained my own self-worth, I started seeing the purpose of having other people see the same way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know? It's yeah. like I never thought I could barely get a job before. I never thought they would be able to employ 20 people, gainfully employ 20 people. I have, have, have a young artist yesterday, 27 years old, talking about I almost got enough money to buy my first pad. You know, that's yeah. just that's incomprehensible, but that's because I didn't believe in myself. You know, I didn't grow up in a context where people were constantly teaching me how to believe in myself. My parents did the best they could, but they didn't believe in themselves. They were, you know, alcoholic and, and, and struggling with drugs and things like that, you know?
0: Yeah, you can't teach what you don't know. Yeah, you
1: can't teach. They did, did, did the very, very best they could with the tools that they had. But at the end of the day, it just wasn't
0: enough, you know. So I'd like, if you could, can you, take, can you talk about your childhood and yeah. the, kind of how that was? I, I mean, I, didn't, I had my,
1: my biological father was gone. He wasn't in my life. You know, um, I didn't meet him until I was in my 30s. So that, that was kind of like a, something that didn't really exist. But my, my dad that, was my, that I call my dad came into my life when I was three. So I had a mom and dad. We had a pretty good home, you know. We were always poor. Uh, my parents did what they want But I didn't even really realize That we were poor, you know It was just We had a good life My parents yeah. were cool But Through circumstances and things My dad was an alcoholic He actually uh, passed away Not so long ago From alcohol related uh, Stuff But uh, You know and Then he All kinds of stuff Happened with my parents um, Then my mom Got into drugs And then that was just It was Went from that cool childhood You know Decent childhood Everything's all good To just
0: and what age? Bam. Which age
1: Did that happen To where it started yeah, it was Going down like in, 3rd or 4th grade when my mom started using so then my parents were always fighting there was like there was domestic violence between both of them you know there was all kinds of things that we were exposed to fighting and and things like that so uh, then, then you start kind of trying to detach yourself from that you know I don't I don't want to be part of this family but being the oldest I was the oldest of 6 I had to take care of my brother and sister still
0: yeah you couldn't abandon that I couldn't abandon them let them go through what you were trying to get away from yeah so
1: I, could, I couldn't I couldn't do that so it's like you, know, you that was hard going from a, a decent home to, it just all went to crap. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, I was looking, you know, I was looking. I think one of the benefits of me though, that one of the things I saw with my parents both being addicts is i never wanted to go that way. I never, yeah. I, I never abused substance and that doesn't make me
0: any better than anybody else. It's just not something that I was afraid of it. And what do you know, because uh, I'm sure you've probably thought about why, because so many people with Parents who have problems would be so easy for them to just, hey, that they did it, so I'm gonna start doing it. What made you say they did it, so I'm not gonna do that? Because I saw I saw my mom, I saw how much she was
1: hurting, and I saw that she was just trying to mask that. So being like really connected with my mom at the time, I just saw that I saw addiction as a, a a place of pain. She's trying to treat some kind of symptom. She's trying to treat some kind of pain that she couldn't deal with. And my dad, the same thing. I thought about it more, especially after he passed away. is like, what was he, what was he hiding? Mm-hmm. What, what, what hurt? Because he, my dad was always, like, always laughing, always joking. You never, never seem in a bad mood. But you don't drink yourself to death unless there's some kind of pain deep down that you're trying to get rid of.
0: And so he so, was using the alcohol he was using so the alcohol. He, he was in a good mood, and he wanted and to good, stay
1: like he wanted to... i want to be in the party i want to be in the moment always yeah. always want to be in the I'm always bound to be the fun one, but at the end of the day it's like you're you're an alcoholic you're dependent on it
0: and and ultimately took his life uh-huh and and your biological father is there any type of relationship with him uh it, it's different like
1: um even even later on down the line when I did get a chance to meet him and stuff he was in and out of prison doing this and that um I didn't really want to meet him because I had such a loyalty to my dad, my stepdad that that raised me, uh, but it was for my sisters. My sisters were the ones that uh, asked me to meet him. My my cousins, I wasn't even in touch with my cousins from the Rendon side. They were all from San Diego, basically. They got a hold of me, and I met my cousins, and I met my uncles, and I was really grateful for that. But my dad was like the mess up of the whole bunch. Uh Uh-huh. So uh, I went to meet him for my sisters, but I really didn't have any emotion about it. I really didn't have anything, but I believe a lot. Of, I believe a lot in faith. I believe a lot in God. I believe a lot in uh, forgiveness. So I, I really struggled with that. I'm like, well, I gotta forgive him, you know? You know, I just remember walking in the room, hearing all these things about him being a hardcore dude, this and that, and, and he's just crying. He's expecting to see a little kid. I, and then I walk in, I'm a full grown man with my own kids. So it was a weird experience. He, he was crying, but I was kind of like just stone-faced, had no emotion. But there came a point where I said, "Well, I, God's forgiven me of so much. I've got, I've got to forgive him and move on." I can't say our relationship. We don't argue, we don't fight, and everything. But I don't really have like an emotional connection with him. Yeah, it's kind of like he's cool. Even, even more so now. It's hard after my dad died. I, I would lie if I did if I said that I didn't question why God took the one that was always there for me and, and the other one that wasn't there. He, he's he still there. there. You know? yeah. but that's that's not my thing, and you know, I'm the one to really judge him. So. We have we have a little bit of a relationship, but
0: it's all good, but it's not like a father son relationship. And and so you met him at what age was that when you went and met him? It was like my early thirties. Early thirties, yeah. so and you're you're the oldest uh-huh. of how many sisters, how many brothers? Well six. From my from my mom and my stepdad, there's six of us.
1: But what about in the household that you grew up in? There were six of us in that household. But my, from my dad, my dad, my, my biological father had a gang of kids. There was mm-hmm. a bunch of us. So I started meeting all these brothers and sisters and everything. As far as I know, I'm the oldest boy. Uh, I have another older sister that's a year older. I'm 43, so my sister's 44. And there's an older one that I've never met. But everybody younger I have. All right. and- so that, that's been cool because we're like... Day one, instantly tight, all of those.
0: Yeah, so you had those relationships yeah. instantly, almost. Instantly, yeah. like instantly, real, real tight. But and
1: they grew up with the same thing; they didn't have him.
0: Yeah, he was gone too. Yeah. Even though he had a lot of my brothers and
1: sisters had it worse though, because they didn't have either
0: parent. You know. Yeah, and and did you the household you grew up in was that on the east side? Uh, it was, we bounced around a lot. Uh-huh. We bounced a lot. I used to
1: come back cause the majority of my, from my mom's side, the grand family were all on the East side. So I would always just gravitate back to the East side, but we went to San Bernardino County, Victorville, Oxnard, you know, we were jumping around quite a bit. Cause my dad lived in Oxnard. He grew up in Oxnard. So we spent a lot of time there.
0: And what was your exposure to the, to the gang life at, at the earliest rem- memory you have? It's had.
1: always been around cause my mom was from the East side, um, like, my aunts were all from the East Side. Like, all my a lot of my cousins were from the East Side. But we didn't really look at it in terms of, like, I'm going to join this, uh, like, a street gang. It's just, you grew up in it. This is, just, this is where you're from. I From the early age, I used to say, we're all from to say, East Side Locals. Mm-hmm. I wasn't old enough to be an East Side Local, yeah. you know. But I was just like, that, those are the guys I saw. I saw paintings that my aunt would do paintings of the East Side Locals and all this. So I idolized them. It was cool. But it was it was really different. It wasn't, like it wasn't as negative. I saw a lot of good stuff. I saw these dudes just chilling together and people barbecuing. I saw the lowrider seeing everybody with their cool cars and all these old veteranis cruising around with their ladies. So I saw a lot of that when they were cruising Milpas. That was kind of my first exposure to it, but that was more, I guess, an exposure to the culture. Mm-hmm. I didn't
0: really experience the gang gang stuff until later on. Yeah, you've seen it as a family. And when did you, at what age, because I know you said you had a hard time just leaving right away. So at what age did you end up Kind of getting out more and more and and kicking it, I was like, I was about thirteen. it was my cousin
1: uh my cousin Brad, the one I got, just got the portrait. It was like so that was ninety one um, he committed suicide, but Brad see Brad, just to step back a little bit during all that dysfunction, Brad was there. he was like the one that kind of raised me, took care of me, he grew up in a really dysfunctional household, right there, smack down on Ortega Street on the east side. He was one of the main east side gang dudes um but he took care of me you know he's a big brother always took care of me always schooled me you know people were bullying me he's the one that made me fight all this stuff made me stand up for myself um when he suddenly out of nowhere just shot himself none of us were expecting that nobody i mean it took the whole city of santa barbara by by surprise because he was just another happy dude nearly he, now he's gone and uh i remember at the funeral like All these homies i mean there was people from the east side west side galita all these rival dudes that were there just showing crazy respect to it to him and i remember at the viewing um on state street and they forced me to go view his body for one i didn't want to see his body Mm -hmm. so my aunt forced me to go up there i saw him and it just freaked me out i remember take off running all the way back to the east side and back in the days that the homies used to kick it at the um the junior high right there by the trees by the fence you know the little cul-de-sac and I remember just running over there, trying to run to my my family's house on Ortega Street. And some of the older homies from the gang grabbed me. You know, like, hey, what's up, man? You all right? You all right? And I remember one of the older homies, tears in his eyes. And he's like, you're going to be all right. We're all hurting, man. But we're here for you. And it, it was just like instant. Those dudes were there. Like, I didn't have the connection with my family. I'm running away from them because of all the dysfunction. And boom, these dudes just love me instantly. So I, I just started, like, kind of trying to hang out with them from that standpoint and uh, being – being with them you know like (laughs) never thought really of getting jumped in or anything that stuff didn't really cross my mind so much um it wasn't that serious they were just kind of like you were just part of the east side but then it's like
0: that was 13
1: yeah 13 so it was probably about i would say like 14 or 15 um like when the crazies first started coming up Uh and then i started there then there were people more mighty because i was kicking it with dudes that were like four or five years older than me how old was your primo brad uh, he was 19 when he passed and I was 13 gonna be 14 so there was a good age gap but I was always with those older dudes you know yeah. I was always with them so I still had kind of a I disc- I couldn't relate to them
0: yeah in teenage years <laughs> I mean those 4 or 5 years that's bit, that's that's a whole, a whole yeah. another generation
1: and a lot of those dudes were like in and out of youth authority already uh, they had different life experience already some of them already been to prison so I looked up to them but I really couldn't relate to them so then you get you know like the crazies the crazies were kind of like started as as being disenfranchised on the east side like we don't fit in with any of these groups so we're gonna just do our own thing so i started kicking it with them and then just decided all right cool i'm gonna get jumped into the crazies
0: and from that point did the the homies that started the crazies were those buddies of yours or you had to get to know them
1: a lot from, of them i did get to know it was uh some of them were like family members and you know cousins of mine um you know I knew them, but it was trippy because they tripped on me because I'd be coming around and they'd be like, well, what's up with this dude? This is so some of them were actually like trying to jam me up and see what's mm-hmm. up. And I just kind of <laughs> like, you know, held my ground and I'm kind of like, cool. So we just started hanging around with them and I just clicked with them. You know, they're all, all around the same age, you know.
0: And before getting jumped in, you're, you're kicking it with those dudes a lot more. Did you have anybody in the family or even outside the family saying, Hey, Philip, this isn't the route you should be going. I see you. You know, you're not making the best decisions right now. No, nah, not really. <laughs> no, no. Nah. Because at that, I don't
1: moves, think. No. See, to be honest with you, I don't think if my cousin Brad was alive, he would have. He would have had an issue with me getting jumped in. Because mm-hmm. he used to say, "You know, you could be from the east side. That's cool, but you know, you do your own thing." So he would have had. He would have been that voice of reason, even though he was from there. You know.
0: Yeah. But
1: that's just how he was.
0: Because I, because I see, I want also parents to know, just some. Um, some things to look out for. Yeah. Because there are, there are signs out there to know that your kid, he may just say, "Hey, I'm hanging out with friends, mom," or "I want to go out and do this, mom." But there's things you need to be looking out for, like you, even though dressing, like you said, it's just, "Hey, that's how Chicanos dress." That's also a uniform too. It, it is, a, like, you know, whether
1: whether you like it or not. Yeah. And that's one of the things that made me get uh, think, well, I should just go all the way and get jumped in." Because I remember getting jumped, me and one of the other homies. We weren't even jumped into any kind of click or anything. We were from the east side or whatever. West side comes through. We end up getting jumped. And I'm like, well, dude, if I'm gonna get jumped by them anyways, well, I might as well just click up with everyone. When we could just do this the right way.
0: Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. It
1: just kind. It just kind of happened. It's like self-preservation. Like I said, it's like it's disenfranchised kids unionizing. That's mm-hmm. what, that's what we did. You know. And that's
0: how it keeps on happening, different it, forms, just over and. But around. it was
1: different than other people's. Uh, like I guess cultural context because for us it's just something you grew up in it was very normalized it was just you're from the east side you're from the west side you're from galita you don't make those choices it's just where your parents happen to live that's where mm-hmm. you're from
0: and who my friends are yeah, yeah. and who my friends are yeah because everybody has a group of friends and not all those friends are good kids yeah <laughs> they're gonna make bad decisions not only gang members that that break into cars at night or that tag up walls it's just like usually that's just youth period yeah it's just Gangs have been, um, and by no means am I trying to make gangs look good, yeah. but I'm just saying they're, they've also been, um, they have that stigma to them now to where it's so sensitive. It's like an open wound. So anything that they do, it's just amplified, you know, mm-hmm. and that's why even all these youngsters now, they get um, gang enhancement slapped onto mm-hmm. any charge. And, and, so we didn't and have all that. I would have been
1: uh, probably washed up if I would have had that yeah. back in the
0: day. Yeah, and it's happening now Like, because mm-hmm. I just... My my little godson Dino, he got sentenced to ten years in YA as a fifteen year old. That's crazy. It's like what is he supposed to do when he gets out? Now is he he's not gonna he's gonna grow up in there, and then come out that being all that he knows, and that goes for my my primos. I've seen it happen over and over again. Mm-hmm. So I'm really um hoping that some of these youngsters will listen, even yeah. though it's like so hard, you know. You know, well, think, no matter think, how much you tell them.
1: What, what, so what happens is society tries to take away what's important. So they try to tell you, well, your friends are no good. You got to be away from them. There's some friends that you don't need to be around. Like I stayed away from a lot. And I don't mean no disrespect towards anyone that uses drugs because I know that people use drugs for a reason. But I purposely stayed away from a lot of people. that went When they became dope, fiend, dope fiends, I, I disconnected because I just couldn't. I didn't want to be
0: around. That. You had that at your home. That's what you were trying to yeah, escape, right? Yeah, I was trying to escape
1: yeah. that. So I stayed, I stayed away from that. And it saved me. It's, it really did save me because it was basically the difference of who went to prison for all these long terms and who didn't, It was who was on drugs. Because you can't commit these crazy acts of violence unless you're under some kind of influence. We'd get all drunk and we'd go out, we'd fight, we'd do all this crazy stuff. If I wake up in the morning, I'm not thinking about anything kind of violent because mm-hmm. my mind is sober. My mind's is clear so if, if a lot of these homies would have never gotten on drugs never drank all this crazy stuff and didn't they would have never committed those crazy acts of violence
0: yeah or had some sort of opportunity that they could yeah they could get fulfillment from and uh which most of the time didn't exist for them or they didn't know how to go get it and i just remember being a teen and me being told by family members is that hey your homies. a they're not all your true friends mm-hmm. some are gonna end up could really care less about you mm-hmm. um they'll be there yeah they're gonna fight by your side but that's because they want to it's mm-hmm. not because that they're fighting for you or all they're gonna do is end up as dope fiends or losers and this and that and you don't want to hear like i just remember thinking like well yeah that might have been your homeboys but mine are different you everybody know? thinks yeah. that but it's
1: like i remember like my cousin brad time he's like what watch your back because your homies are going to be the first one to tell on you you get busted there's three of you one of them is going to tell on you guys you know it, and, and, and those things that, that's just real stuff but we don't want to believe that mm-hmm. and it's true because you look around you see who sold out who or, or so and so's busted and so and so's on his girl someone you know you're 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 struggling with and so sliding in your girl's dm that's just how that's just how it is because we're stupid humans that you know and then we're trying to figure ourselves out we're trying to find gratification and and edify ourselves by doing all these dumb things you know that's just that's just how it goes
0: yeah and then it's something even though i don't know if just then I didn't take the time to think of it more, like actually look, but I know when I'm talking to youngsters and I'm telling, well, look, take a look. You don't have to take my word for it of me telling you where you're, what's gonna happen if you stick with this life or what your homies are gonna end up. Mm-hmm. Take a look, what do? You, what are your oldest homies? What are they doing? What do they have? Well, yeah.
1: What do they have? Like, well, how, can they take, how can they take care of themselves? You know, I was talking to a little homie yesterday. He's signing the paper. He just got out of prison. We got it together, got, got some things together. You're signing the paperwork to get his car, first car, you know, buying a car. And I'm just so freaking proud. And I just I told heard. him, I'm proud of you. But how many other homies will say, I'm proud of you? I said, man, I'm so, I'm so proud of you. But how many of those other older dudes have ever had that experience to go buy a car? No,
0: yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not even be able to save up the money to even get close to it most of the time or get no. a job. So, so we have to be honest about it. It's just like, be honest. Know what you're getting into.
1: You don't sign any kind of financial contract without knowing the fine print. I, I, I just, you know, like, I'm not against gangs. I'm against gang violence and crime. Um, I'm not trying to take what's important from a kid. Like, if his neighborhood's important, I said, well, dang, if your neighborhood's important, if you really love the east side, you really love the west side, then you should be making it a better place.
0: You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. That's
1: how you should do your, your gangbanging. It shouldn't be violence against other brown kids that look just like you. Mm-hmm. Because violence against other brown kids is just self-hatred. So I hate myself, so I hate anyone that looks at me. Because we don't go to Montecito and gangbang on people. They don't look like us. We can't relate to them. We yeah. try to we try to hurt people that look like us.
0: Yeah, or IV, right? You're trying to go party with the college yeah. kids. You're banging on their door to go party with them. You're not banging on their door yeah. to to beat them up and and you know rob them. Yeah, exactly. But yet yeah, you'll do that to your own. Your own homie or someone that looks the same yeah. walking through your neighborhood or through a different neighborhood. You'll even hate on your own.
1: Like you see like you're, and you've seen this as a,
0: as a business owner and you come up, I've
1: I've had people say, well, you think you're all good because you got this business or you got that business going. You ain't want to hook up the homeboys no more. It's like people will, will hate on each other for doing things that are good instead of saying like, dude, I'm so happy your business is going good, man. I'm so glad your kids are going good. You know, I'm so glad that you got a kid in college, things like that. So we just have to tell the truth, and I did that when I raised my kids, people said, well, I'm, I live that life, so I'm going to shelter my kids from it. I didn't yeah. shelter my kids from it. I didn't allow them to grow up in it, but I also didn't keep them from their cousins, and I, I let them look at my homeboys that I love and, and that I have respect for, that who were dope fiends. And I, I allowed my kids to see that, and they saw the difference of like what a normal person was that, and how this dude was out of his mind talking to himself.
0: Right. Yeah. So they had, they had, they could they see both that. worlds. They yeah. saw
1: that they they've been with me on the east side when we're barbecuing and and, and a fight breaks out. And of course, I'm am I'm a normal dad, so I'm gonna get my kids out of dodge. But they saw those things, and, and none of my kids ever, uh, you know, got in minor trouble. None of, them, none, none of them ever really got in any kind of trouble. No one ever joined any kind of gangs and things yeah. like that. And it's yeah, I think so it's
0: let, just, let let's go back there a little bit because I know we're we're talking a lot about our mindsets now and i want to I want to help create that that story of how our mindsets came to be mm-hmm. so at 13 14 fifteen at 13 you're you're kicking it now around 15 you actually got jumped in
1: yeah that's 15 and
0: yeah. now being jumped in and for the next couple of years of your life what's going on what does that life for Philip look like
1: it's it's crazy because when you get jumped in it's official everybody knows you're you are from the crazies or you're from whatever clique you happen to be from. Like, you're from an actual clique. And they don't just jump anybody in. Mm-hmm. They don't just pull people off. To, like, people have these dumb ideas that we're just walking around trying to get random people to join this gang. It's, no, it's really, you got to kind of be sponsored. And someone's got to say, well, this dude's down or this dude's kicking it. So you got that self, little bit of self-validation because they, yep. they want you in. And, and this clique is a little, this is something new. This is something that's moving. So you felt good, you know, you felt like you were a part of it. And, yeah, and, and then you felt like there was something I had to defend because anyone rolls up on me where are you from I can't say well I am i don't bang you can't say that anymore no. now you gotta say well I'm from the east side crazies you know what I mean so it's like a little bit of machismo kicks in even though the reality of it and you and I both know is you're scared as crap every time that happens anytime yeah. anyone rolls up on you here we go again roll up into the transit center here we go again mm-hmm. you know what I mean? yeah. it, it ain't all fun but but there is some adrenaline in it I mean and that's we're lacking all of these good endorphins and you're getting all these crazy endorphins going from being that. And like you said, the girls are like, Oh, so-and-so from here or so-and-so from there. So the girls start coming around. Uh, people are inviting you to parties or people are acting like they're afraid of you. Yeah. And that for some weird reason brings something, you know, it's like they say. some people will say it's better to be feared than respected. And you kind of get that, that whole thing going on. So, that's a trip.
0: Yeah, it's got all the good. It's got all those goodies. Yeah, all all, all wrapped up in, and it, it's so enticing, and 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 not. And then it's hard to leave once once you get it. Yeah. The uh, and like just like we were talking about, kind of hating on other dudes that look like you, other Chicanos. It's like even just backing up the East Side or backing up whatever gang you uh, and neighborhood you're you're uh, from and then you get jumped in and all of a sudden now you're looking at the dudes that just back up the east side is different too you're looking at at (laughs) Yeah, exactly you know even though and that's just like it's kind of mind-blowing to think that that's how our minds think thought back then is you're just so quick to you want you want to just alienate yourself from everyone else and really just be with that click yeah and as 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 like uh like you said it's filtered not anybody can get in and that's just a sense of pride that Mm -hmm. you get from being all right i was chosen you know i lasted those i I lasted that fucking those dudes fucking whooping my ass for (laughs) however long that took and then um and then you're like i got it now now what am i gonna do with it and and so moving moving forward what what did what are the things that you ended because I I remember being there. There are dudes that were just crazy, right? They're the ones smoking rock or doing yeah. a crank, and they just wanted to go out and, and go to different neighborhoods and rob people or, or yeah. hurt people. And there were some who just wanted to kick back. They're in the bar, in a barbecue yeah. and chill and drink. Yeah, if something bad happens,
1: you had the bullies. <laughs> yeah, all in your
0: own thing. It full it's like your own little community within you know the 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 gang. I was always like. Um, I was raised right. Like, I had good morals. So I felt,
1: I didn't, I could never be a bully. You know what I mean? Like, if anything, I was backing up people that were being bullied. Uh, But people were doing all these crazy things and i would think about it but on the flip side you want to build your name you know you want to build your rep so at that time it was kind of at the beginning of everything you see now was starting you had like the the lojitos and the projects from the west you know all that they were doing their same thing it's funny because all those dudes are my friends now yeah they come to the tattoo shop we're chopping people trip out and we're telling these war stories and we're talking about things that happened against us but we're trying to build our name try to build our neighborhood so we were just like Boom, they would do something to us, we'd do something to them instantly, and it was just crazy, and everybody was watching it, you know? So it gives you that notoriety, it gives you that adrenaline rush.
0: Yeah, it gives you almost like a little sense of fame within, you know, yeah. your city. Yeah. And it's in, it's intoxicating. To, but on the to flip side, it's
1: like, I like I was always about talking to the girls. Mm-hmm. I was always about rap rapping to the girls and, and, and trying to meet this girl and that girl, and you've always got those dumb homies that are like, you're kicking it with the girls, and then they come start some drama, and the cops show up, and yeah. there goes that whole thing down the drain, you know, so... Yeah. Oh, it was about having fun and, and, and being cool about it. But when, when it was time to throw hands, we threw hands. Most of the time we we're fighting with each other, dude?
0: Yeah, a lot of times. If you're going <laughs> to drink and barbecue and in and, and, uh in the same spot for long enough, so one, the, the homies are going to fight. Yeah. That's and just, now it's even it's worse. Cause happen. Now it's like there's just much more politics. We weren't really exposed to politics back in the days. Mm-hmm. And I'm never going
1: to get too deep into that. But it was just east side, west side, whatever. But you wouldn't have a party without somebody getting in a fight or something happening. We thought it was funny. Yeah. You know, we fight with each other. But now it's like, well, this person's good. This person's no good. There's just so much of it. You can't even keep track of it. You know
0: what I mean? Yeah, and, I want, and I want youngsters to know as well that I think in their mind, if they get jumped in, because you, I hear a lot of peer pressure now. I hear like, oh, the homies want me to do this. And now they say, in order for me to be able to jump in or even be able to claim this or say that I'm backing up this is like they, they want me to do this and they're being told by homies that haven't uh, haven't even done shit like yeah they just played the part that's of, what makes uh, me
1: angry now is I, I look back and I see because I talk to a lot of the youngsters and I stay connected with them like why talk to these little kids because they're my kids age mm-hmm. or younger and, and and they'll ask me advice on something and I'm not like why are you listening to what this dude is saying this dude's a dummy bro he wouldn't you think that dude would tell me to go do that He wouldn't tell me to go do that he wouldn't tell any other homie he's just trying to plan you he thinks you're weak so then that dude starts thinking well this guy's trying to punk me and then he decides well i'm gonna make a decision on my own i'm not gonna do it because of this and that
0: yeah i I think me having because i was raised i was raised right as well i I, I was raised with love i should say like i I don't know if there's any right way to parent i I mean yeah that there's no book for that and i don't know if there's ever a hundred percent correct way of how to parent but i was raised with love and i was raised to have a mind of my own mm-hmm. and i think that was the biggest thing that saved me mm-hmm. because i was at, even it even it's a
1: conflict though doesn't it
0: a big conflict a big I was, conflict. i was
1: constantly in that conflict
0: mm-hmm. because i was a in a gang you're supposed to if they say jump you know how high if they say hey let's roll over here you're supposed to go without questions asked mm-hmm. and me i couldn't do that it mm-hmm. didn't register to be okay with me it wasn't like hey i thought I thought we were from this gang and we're all supposed to be fucking like big shit and like handle our own business. Yeah. If that if that dude beat you up, why do you want us to go jump him? Mm-hmm. Why don't we just make it a one-on-one and you you handle business? But that's because a lot of dudes are afraid.
1: Yeah, they don't want to fight. Like
0: people, they, they just want... They're afraid to get
1: beat up. I mean...
0: Yeah, or, or whatever. There's a fear. There's fear yeah. in them and they're, they're afraid of something. And uh, I was just... I was fortunate enough to have that I those eyes open yeah and look out for the, like why is the homie telling me to do this and like and to have that chip on my shoulder as well too is to be like you ain't gonna tell me what to do homie if you want it done go do it yourself or i'll go do it with you but i'm not gonna go do something for you and then that, that causes yeah that causes beef when you got a yeah. little homie telling an older homie something something like that and uh these 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 youngsters now i want them to Just like you've told him to keep your eye open for that. Listen, like you, although not everything, um, can click in a, in like how to make a sense of it. Like you still have common sense to Mm -hmm. say, this doesn't sound right. Like, and to be your own man. Is that what if you're being told to go handle somebody else's business, because we're all supposed to be men here Why shouldn't that guy be handling his own business? Mm -hmm. He's a man and um but these these they're, they're they're too hungry right now to be official or to scared. say most
1: of it's just they're scared i don't want anyone yeah. to think i'm a punk i don't want anyone to call me a lame
0: because yeah.
1: i can't say that there's any kind of mission that like they we're gonna go do this and that and that i back down from but it was mm. usually again just like in some kind of drunken haze like these dudes just got crazy let's go get crazy with them
0: and so you what age did you start seeing through that to to where you started seeing like I always, uh, like I, I, I said,
1: I always had that conflict because I was raised right... And my mom was really street smart. My dad he was from Mexico, so he had a different... He thought of things differently. Mm-hmm. He thought cholos were all stupid, you know? Uh, but my my mom taught me a lot. She schooled me a lot on like, the right way, the wrong way, uh, you know? So I, I had that. I had my cousin teach me that. So I had that inner conflict. I always had that thing. And it was... I wouldn't talk myself out of it. There's a couple of times when I had to get in fights with my own homies because I disagree with why... Yeah. why or what
0: they were doing Do you, what, what's a good what's a what's a good one that you remember that you disagreed with something that ended you you to fight with one of your own homeboys
1: they wanted to like uh, there's there's a dude from the west side ran into a dude from the west side they he he had a personal beef with them instead of running them one on one he's like well, yeah we're gonna jump this fool we're gonna get this fool and even though he's from the west side it's like that was our little fake enemy cause they're not really our enemies um I'm like, well, why don't you just run it one-on-one with homie? No, we're going to jump him. So then we start, we start arguing back and forth. He wants to jump him. He ends up running it one-on-one with him. The dude from the West gets the best of him. Then we break it up. You know I mean? Break it, if someone's getting the best of him, we would jump, jump in or break it up or whatever. So then he felt like that was disrespectful. I just, and I, I remember calling him a punk. Well, you're a punk <laughs> because you, know, you had a problem with homie, but you didn't want to run it. I've, I've got, I've, I run it one-on-one with people, and I've had people beat me down. I've won some. I've lost some. You know so so uh, we had that and end up having to throw hands with the, one of your own homies and it ends up all cool but it's just like at the end of the day you got to stand up for yourself
0: and did you start to see homies that either your age or a little bit older that you thought were solid and then you start to see um, them cracks oh, in their in their armor I started to see things
1: differently. And then I started like, uh, really getting into like mental health and studying that kind of things. And I started realizing this dude really is not that crazy. This is, this is a severely wounded, uh, emotionally individual. And this is why he's doing it because anger, uh, uh violence is just unresolved anger. That's all violence is. Violence is just unresolved anger. So then I started seeing things different. Like this guy just can't control himself. Like, I had some some level of self-control. He can't control him, so he's got to fight wherever he goes because he doesn't know how to deal with his own emotions. So I started seeing things from, like, a a, a bigger lens, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it, it really changed the way that I did things or the way that I reacted and stuff like and, that. And
0: how did you study that mindfulness? Where did you get that knowledge from?
1: I, I had, like, mentors. Like, I had... Um, Richard Ramos was, you know, back in the days, Richard Ramos was working at the junior high and then the high school, and then he had the Cornerstone Church. So I, like, involved myself with those guys, and they really made me think because, you know, they grew up in that same context we did, went through the same things we, we did. Uh, Sergio De La Mora, Ron Arzua, all these different people, like mentors, um, uh, Capone, Big Capone. Mm-hmm. You know, I spent a lot of time cruising on the east side with Capone, and they would just make me think of things from a bigger, you know. They saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. Like, they, like Capone, you say, man, you're really intelligent you're really smart you're a lot of smarter than some of these cats and he wasn't meaning to demean anybody he was just trying to point out you I wasn't using that intelligence the way that I should have so they got me on that track and they made me start thinking about things differently mm-hmm.
0: let's talk about that let's get a little more into detail about that because I feel just intelligence itself such a beautiful strong thing mm-hmm. to have but at least in our culture as youngsters we're taught if you're smart you're lame yeah you're lame you're a nerd you're a schoolboy. and i I grew up in between that because my mom came from that chicano
1: that whole chicano movement culture so they were all about cultura history art music all that stuff so growing up we were always taught about reading i see my mom just go through the books like crazy you know so i never thought that being smart was was uh a dumb thing. Mm-hmm. I used to, the kids that used to get picked on, I used to like back them up because I thought they were cool. I thought it was dope that people, people were smart, um, that they're intelligent. But, but there wasn't very much value being put on education or intelligence. Now I know it's everything
0: yeah especially by your homies there was yeah there, there was nothing yeah real.
1: like I'm, I'm people think i'm weird well now people were at like at my shop for instance We used to think i was weird because i'm listening to motivational stuff mental health stuff he, constantly studying history talking about things like that because i feel like I just, i've got to keep my mind going my, your mind is a muscle and you got to keep that thing growing and people used to think i'm weird but now they're all on it what are you tripping on you're you're, you're They one one time they, i was listening to something about toxic masculinity And I was like, Fuzz, man, I'm really freaking toxic as a male. There's a lot of toxic masculinity in my Mm -hmm. life. And I was kind of dealing with that, you know? And they thought, what the heck is that, man? What are you tripping on? But now they're starting to see it, you know? So that that, that happened as a kid too, but on different levels. I started learning things and just going back to it because even when, like, the older homies would go to prison, they would come out on some crazy Malcolm X type stuff, you know what (laughs) I mean? (laughs) Like, it's about the Raza, this and that. It's a big picture. We're all one thing. And... It, it, it's crazy Because uh, they understand it They go back and forth You know Some of your relatives That I was clo- that I was close with And things like that We would be talking When they were busted And we were going fa- Back and forth with books mm-hmm. You read this book You read that book We had like a book club going He's in prison I'm out here That's like You know They don't think about that But that's You become an adult You become a little bit more mature You understand you, If what I'm experiencing now Is all there is Well that's That ain't really a good life But there's more to it
0: Yeah Yeah And if we can get these youngsters because they're almost like putting their intelligence like in a, they're leaving it somewhere, like they're leaving it at home or they're leaving it in their pocket because they want to, they don't see, they want to relate to those around them and those around them, most of them don't have that intelligence or leaving it behind. They just don't have it. And so they're only speaking what they know in order to be on their level, a lot of these youngsters are bringing themselves down Mm -hmm. even though they are very intelligent in some areas and driven in other areas but they're just afraid to to let that be known because they'll be made fun of Mm -hmm. or they'll be called a lame and and if we can like flip that around like like be don't think that you got to be for your homie or be for your or or be someone for your gang and and in the way that you have to conform to them. Mm-hmm. Like be somebody. But influence them. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to just. Put in work. You don't have to go rob and steal. And be locked up. To be of a, a, a righteous homie. Like a mm-hmm. righteous homie. Yeah, How about you start a business for them. And you can keep them busy. How about you just work your ass off. And you can buy them some some shoes here and there. like Or, or help yeah. them out with their kids. Every now and then or you push onto them like fuck, go listen to Eric Thomas go listen to Tony Robbins go listen to somebody you know mm-hmm. like instead of playing this fucking rap music about yeah. selling dope and and slapping bitches and shit like that.
1: The, the, all of that music that they glorify is written by a bunch of snitches dude by people that are telling each other don't really they're not even telling their own life story they're telling someone else's
0: and most of the time the their lyrics are being written for them. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's by like some ghostwriter trying to make them look cool.
0: Yeah. Because they know what because the, they know how to do it. Yeah. yeah, but
1: but the funny thing about it is like you get a conscience rapper that's talking. Maybe a, he's a veterano and he's talking about all this good stuff. I know some personally that are dope rappers that talk about community stuff. They'll never make it big, but the record labels will put all kinds of money money into stuff that'll make you feel, you know, seem like a dope fiend, a a, a womanizer, a dope fiend, a gang member. Those are the good things to be. Yeah. and they, they dump the money but there's a plan in all of that cuz they don't want you like an, edu- an educated uh, community is a scary community for them because they got to pay you more
0: oh yeah you're worth more and you're starting to take a bigger piece of the pie and now their pie is not as big cuz you're taking some of it
1: yeah I mean, it's 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 a crazy, like almost like a little metaphor. But I remember tattooing for free. I I buy get the supplies and tattoo for free. I no one paid me nothing. No one cared to pay me nothing. But now it's like I'm not going to turn on my machine for X amount of dollars. And it's not because I think that I'm better. It's because I know what I'm worth. And and that's the same thing. It's the same thing in life. When when someone knows they're worth, well, I'm not going to go do this and that because I'm worth a little bit more than that.
0: Yeah, and if you don't like it, well, yeah. fuck off then. Then yeah, and then, and
1: some of them it's like. And then you get your freedom taken from you, you know, more than a couple of times. Just sitting there, sitting there in a cell, and you're kind of like, "This ain't all it, man. Ain't nobody writing me." Yeah. There's, there's some of our homies that are doing life right now, and I talk to them, and I write them, and then like, have you heard from anyone? I ain't heard from nobody, bro. I heard from two or three people. There's no one, no one. There was my mom and my dad putting money on my books. And that's it, yeah. And that's it. Nobody. They forgot about you. All you, all you are, is something that they brag about to make themselves feel like they're part of something significant.
0: Yeah. And so you, what, what troubles did you go through when you started to say, Hey, I'm not going to be kicking it out here anymore. Like, look, I, guys, I'm not going to be here. I got, I got other shit to do. I'm not going to be out here kicking it at the Creek or kicking it on at the yeah. park. Like, how did that go over for you? Cause now, I know there was, those,
1: there was people that hated on me. There's people that, you know, there, there was homies that, were, cause I wanted, I gotta go to work. I gotta go. I gotta go to school. I gotta do this and that. And then, you know, people try to call you a lame. Try to call you a punk. And then, for a while, you're kind of like, well, anyone that calls you a punk, anyone calls you lame, you gotta fight with them to back up your name. And then it's like exhausting. Because <laughs> you can't fight with every single hater, you know. And, and nor does
0: it stop it either. It never, yeah. it
1: never stops it. It never stops it. And the crazy thing about it is, some of those people that gave me the most pressure. the ones that are a few of them have turned their lives around me and Victor Vega had this thing Victor used to be like an instigator bro like Mm -hmm. he used to talk all kind of crazy like well you don't want to kick it this and that blah 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 talking crazy and later on down the line like we had a discussion where he indirectly like apologized to me for being the way that he was because now he's that dude out there that's out in the community trying to feed people trying to help people get sober you know trying to somebody that, that society threw away and this dude is affecting so many people's lives in a positive way and he used to be an instigator yeah you know yeah I mean? he was one of them yeah. <laughs> he was one of them for me as well but he's a really he's a really good man bro he's a really good man he's a really good father you know
0: yeah he's he's um the program that he went to i've seen a lot of homies go yeah and they haven't done what he's done with his life nah. even going there some
1: of them died some of them are dead now you know that they come back home. It's just a matter of changing it. But mm-hmm. I think to go back to it for me, what was um, the defining moment of my life is becoming a father. I was seventeen when my daughter was born, and and I just I mean I remember being petrified. I remember going to tell um, my my daughter's mom. I remember going to tell her dad. Old school Mexican dude didn't speak English. She had all these different morals that we had. Like teenage pregnancy was unheard of. You know. Mm-hmm. I remember walking to the pad, and they live not too far from here, as a matter of fact, and having to tell him myself, because I felt like, I don't know how I had that in me, but I knew that it was my responsibility to be the one to tell him, and, and I remember being petrified, bro, crying. Here's this homie, this dude doing all this and that, like, you know, respected on the streets or whatever, and I'm crying because I got to go tell this, this, this dad that I just ruined his life by getting his daughter pregnant, and I remember going there and him not, not looking at me or anything not even speaking to me, not responding to me, not showing me any kind of respect, He didn't. Des- I didn't deserve any respect at that moment, but I tell him, like, I don't know what to say, but I promise you I'll always take care of your daughter, and I'll always take care of uh, your granddaughter, and I kept that promise, and then years, years down the line, uh, you know, family parties kind of faded, he tells me, you know, like, I didn't think you would come through, but you came through, you know, so that was a defining moment in my life, and at that time, that's when homies are going to prison, cause, Seventeen, eighteen people going to YA prison, this and that, and I, I had to make choices. My daughter was more important to me than all of that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And people, I actually had homies that would told me like, "Oh, so you're gonna choose your daughter over us?" And I'd those be surprised words, bro. About it. <laughs> I go, "Oh, yeah. dude, like that that's that that's a that's a real question," and he was dead serious, you know. So I, I, I ran. I even got jumped by some of our own homies. And and half of the guys that jumped me are no good anymore. Mm-hmm. They end up turning around and telling on people, and I'm not trying to say anything bad about that. I'm just trying to speak the truth to what these kids can expect. You know yeah. what I
0: mean? Yeah, because it's the same story, right? Yeah. Over and over. That's what they can literally expect if they can continue on <laughs> down their path. Around.
1: Your yeah. own people are going to try to put hands on you over
0: choosing your kid. Yeah. And even if they don't believe us here talking, go talk to a, a home a homie that's older than you by. Four or five years yeah like they're gonna tell you the same thing and if not they're they're lying but not everyone stays solid for the most part most of them don't stay solid most, most of and and some uh some of them are gonna die from either from dope or violence and some of them are gonna to go to prison and you're never gonna see them again yeah but all those things that aren't a place you want to end up at
1: no like, there's, the, the op- there's just no good options only a good option is that you turn around and live your life because yeah. there's a handful of homies luckily that made those choices, became fathers young, did their thing, you know. Like it's cool, you know. Then we kind of connected from that standpoint because now we're all dads and we got kids and all this and that. Excuse me, a lot of homies that are getting straight now, 20 years later after using drugs, going to prison. That's an awesome thing, and we all connect around that. Um, but it, it was hard at first, man. That, Felt like I almost had to watch my own back in my own neighborhood because, like, Were
0: you still going to, like, parties and kickbacks? At, nah, I
1: didn't like, really go to parties anymore. Well, I was on probation, too. Uh-huh. You know, like, I was basically on probation from the time I was 12 all the way to 18, so I didn't want to get busted. What, what kind of broke my heart is my daughter was two years old. Uh, a situation happened. I ended up getting arrested. And I remember her mom holding her, bro, and then the freaking sheriffs were driving me off in the back of the car, I get arrested. I'm only there for two weeks. They're gonna to try to make me do a little commitment. Um, and I remember going to court, and uh, my daughter, like I said, was a couple weeks old. One of the bailiffs asked me, is that your daughter? I said, yeah, that's my daughter, she was just born. He goes, well, what are you here for? A little, little violation, he goes, all right, cool. He goes, well, I want you to go into this little side room because everybody else was kept in one room. He sent me to the side room. He walks in with, uh, my, with, with my ex-wife, my baby's uh, mom. He walks in with her. And he goes, I'm going to let you hold your daughter for a little while. And I was just tripping, dude, because the dude was just being kind to me. And that's not my experience with the cops in those days, you know? Uh-huh. And um, I'm like, thank you, man. I appreciate that. He goes, yeah, I just had a daughter a week ago, so I know what it's like. After that, I was just like, boom. That was the last time I was ever arrested. Ever. Never been booked, never been questioned, never been brought in. I've had the, I still have the authorities try to smut my name up and say, like, I mean, um, even though I'm certified to work with kids, I go into correctional facilities and talk to kids. I work with foster, foster kids. My name still shows up as an active Eastside gang member. It always will. You know, so, but that was that. That was like, I was, that was it. I just wanted to be a dad. I didn't want to do to my daughter what my dad did to me.
0: And, and after that last arrest, you put together like, hey, it's not the risk. I'm not going to go out. And, and party. Yeah. I'm not going to go out and kick it. I was, was just
1: pick and choose who I was with and then we started having homies that had kids and everything so I'd kick it with my cousins I'd kick it with those dudes. Um, I would go... I, would, I still thought it was dope like I'd roll up on the east side see homies chill with them talk to them but I knew when to get out of Dodge you know mm-hmm. like alright cool. When they start drinking a lot when this or that starts happening every, when people are doing drugs I would stay clear away from anybody doing any kind of drugs.
0: And, and so how... I'm I'm 36 right now. How old are you? 43. 43. So you got about 7 years on me. So at 17, I was 10. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was when uh, I started kicking around 14, jumped in by 15, you were about 22. And I you were long like you said you started yeah, you kind of smartened up by by 17. So I know I didn't I didn't meet you till many 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 years yeah. later. But I, I know I had a similar thing as well I was just having a kid at 17 and then still kind of playing on the fence of well if I'm gonna go party or 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 hang out I'm gonna go with the homies but I always had I always had a solid homie my, who was actually an actual friend and not mm-hmm. just a homeboy which was my which was my brother from another mother Chino and he would he would always tell me like hey girl these are what the homies are saying about you you don't kick it enough you know you're um uh, you know i'm over here uh a couple kids because at 17 i had my son but my the mother of my children she already had a two-year-old um and uh, that was that became my daughter right then when i had my son she became my daughter Mm -hmm. and and so i had two actually two kids at 17 and And then I started my business at 18. So I'm over here trying to be a dad and I'm trying to get a business. I don't know know how to start a business. I just, I knew I had a good work ethic. So I jumped right into it. And that's what I'm hearing is that homies are saying, I don't kick it enough. Mm -hmm. same same thing. Uh, You don't kick it. Yeah. And and certain, and, and, you know, he'd come back and tell me these things and say, Hey, they're going to have some, some things to say about you and to you. So a part of me would want to go yeah. and I would want to shake all their hands when I got there and look them in their eye to see if they were going to say anything like I was being told and there wasn't, yeah. you know, but so I lost a lot of respect too. Cause I would have much rather have yeah. them told me straight up, Hey girl, yo, you're going to get your, fuck your ass beat right now. Or, mm-hmm. or you're going to get jumped out or whatever, whatever they want to say, like say something, but don't say nothing when you're, when you're talking behind my back.
1: It's funny because yeah, cause I had a situation like that years ago, right? When the. They're a bad mouth see it's you don't kick it i don't care whatever someone calls you a lame or someone calls you a punk now now you're attacking my character mm-hmm. like i like if i did something bad to somebody so i remember being mad about it you know what i mean like so they told me well a few homies are gonna get together and talk about something and chino was there it's funny because he knew the whole thing he he, he was cool with me so he's feeding me all the information that they're telling I me mean, he's not instigating he's yeah. just he's like you should make these fools look you know <laughs> you know, make, make them do something. so yeah. i'm mad bro like i just i went into a whole different thing i get there expecting some kind of dra- like drama like who's who's trying to like smut my name up or dirty my name and i knew who the individuals were i knew exactly who they were people told me everybody was loyal to me you know and all these other dudes that told me and uh one of the other homies said okay well so-and-so is trying to smut this person up that person and the homie right here he's one of the older homies they were trying to smut him up. Who has something to say? And me and Tim was just looking at each other just kind of <laughs> laugh. Like, who's going to say something? Nothing. You don't nothing to say? And I actually looked over at the dude that was talking and go, so you didn't have nothing to say about me? No, I didn't have nothing to say. I was just joking around. You, you, you got to watch what you say when you're joking around, calling someone a lame or calling someone a punk. So it was funny because there was some really young kids that just happened to be there, and they saw that whole exchange happen. And I think it did something for them because they realized these fools are just going to, these weak-minded people are gonna talk about you. These other guys are gonna have your back, and it's all gonna to come to a head. Yeah. There's no real loyalty. There's only a couple that are really loyal to you. You
0: know. No, it would, I think that would. That had to be a big shift for that. Whatever the audience was, because you get to see firsthand. You hear some homie talking all this man. I'm gonna beat this fool's ass when I see him. Yeah. Or this fool's a lame. And then you're put in front of them, and you got to retract that, or you got to say I'm joking, yeah. or you got to say I didn't mean it. You just lost all, like, validation from, from these dudes that, you, that that thought you were something, that yeah. thought you were solid, but you just proved to them otherwise. Yeah, because
1: everybody knew, you know, like, they're running their mouth and all these other, and the sad thing to me is a lot of it was, like, the little youngsters that were there were my friends' kids. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that's, that's heartbreaking in and of itself, but it's like, that's just, someone's always got something to say, and, and you really can't. You yeah. can't really go around. You got to figure out. You got to pick your battles.
0: And I and I think I remember, too, is that I only thought that you were hard if you were a gangster. Yeah. That's that, and anybody who wasn't, I just thought, oh, they didn't have balls and they weren't hard enough to be a part of this life. So, gangsters are the ones that are the hardest on this planet, and that's yeah. what my mentality was back then. And it and it wasn't until I started seeing things like, um, I would see some some regular dude on the street hit up a homie and like there was one time we were at the creek i'm not going to say any names Mm -hmm. i don't want to put anybody on blast but there was there was um me a couple of the younger homies and then one of the older homies and this was a dude i looked up to thought he was thought he was down for his And, and i had seen him be down over and over and over but I didn't pay close enough attention to, okay, who were the people that he was down to smash on, mm-hmm. you know, because at this particular moment, there was just a, a regular dude, a jock, a former a former jock I should say, because they're at, we're out of school at this time, but this was a dude that didn't fuck around, and he was about his business. He wasn't from a gang or anything. He just would handle his own shit, and and I remember he. He ran into to the the older homie that was kicking it with us, and he said, "Oh, I I finally found you. You're right here now. I can so what's up, man? I heard you've been talking this shit or whatever. They had some beef, and the bit and the older homie just quivered. I'm like, no, oh, man, I was, and that was just like, fuck. Like, there was your foundation. Yeah, it's like, what am I standing on? Like, if that. What am I supposed to strive to be? And but in my heart, I'm ready to jump because the the the, the he's coming against you know a, 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 another crazy yeah and so i'm not gonna jump to jump him but i'm ready to i'm ready to scrap myself just because i'm that's just how i was brought up it's like if somebody jumps we all jump and we get ready and if he were to turn to me i i know there's no way in hell that i'm gonna back down not because i'm some fucking t- tough dude because you thought that's what you had but just because i got principles like there's no ass beating that's going to hurt more than me feeling like a coward. Yeah. Because I felt that feeling. Yeah. I felt that feeling when I didn't stand up for myself before I became a, a gang member and I let everybody step step on me. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, no, that pain is much more painful than a, a black eye or a fucking, yeah. you know, bruised rib. Like so no, but that's what I'm expecting from all my peers. And then like when I when I told you, did you see chinks in the armor? That's when I started just just because I open my eyes and pay attention and I don't and I don't uh take excuses like there's no expam- explanation you're going to tell me of how you can validate your actions right now. Mm-hmm. And it and it was just that simple. So I I mean it, I think a lot of these youngsters now like they're afraid to be a, a thought of as a lame like or a punk yeah. or a leva and it's it's like you don't have to you don't have to go that route. You can simply stand up and ask questions mm-hmm. and pay attention to the answers and how they're and how they're answering.
1: We we have to flip the mindset of what we think like someone that's that's that strong is. Like me, is I see someone with I love seeing a dude walking with his kids or playing with his kids. Like I go to the park to work out and I see this dude playing with his little kids. To me, that's a real man. To me, if you have kids and I don't say this lightly Because I don't, I don't know what everyone went through I don't know what kind of drama people have going on But if you're able-bodied You have the opportunity And you have kids And you choose not to take care of them To me that's a lame mm-hmm. To me that's a pump If somebody else is supporting your kids Because you choose not to Not because you, you can't Or you're in a bad position Because that happens to all of us But you, you, you blatantly choose not to take care of your kids You're a pump yeah. I can't respect you I don't even want to shake your hand but then again, I don't want to be self-righteous because we've all been there and, and maybe a little bit of hope could flip that around because I know a lot of people that weren't there for their kids that are sure they're now, you know?
0: Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely right. Not only in parenting, but in many, many aspects of life. Like if your older homie is still living at home and they're not contributing a dime to their parents or grandparents, like we understand Santa Barbara's hard to go live on your own and to make a living, especially with the record. Mm-hmm. But there's no good uh, reason or excuse to not contribute. People do, like, people yeah.
1: contribute all the time. They make it happen, you know?
0: Yeah, there's one way or another. But if you're not, like, those are the things you should be looking out for. Like, and also, if a, if a dude's older and he's still out gangbanging with you, he's 20-something and you're 15, and he's still saying that he's a, he's a hardcore gang member, like, that's something wrong with that picture. Like, look further into it. There's, like, these youngsters, like, there's, you can't tell them anything, right? You, you can't tell them something to change their mind, but you could explain to them, hey, open your eyes to these things. Yeah. Question everything.
1: Go ask his homies what they think about it. I mean, a lot of them will tell you, well, that dude, I wouldn't kick it with that dude either. You know, he's like, if you're, if you're in your 40s and still telling people where you're from and you didn't do it good enough because they should have known where you were from <laughs> a long time ago, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but, but at the end of the day, like I said, it's just, it's just about changing mindset of, of what's good, what's bad. You know, I don't have any disrespect for people that want to change their lives. You know, I, I have a hard time with people when they turn around and say, well, like, well, oh, I renounce the east side or I renounce the west side. You forgot where you came from. You found something else that's a little bit more comfortable because if you can't, if, if, if God or the creator or however you see it put you in that context, you were born there, you were born around these people, then he also gave you a responsibility of making that better. Mm-hmm. So I could go make money in another city, but if I'm not coming back to my own city to try to help people, then I'm no good. Yeah, yeah.
0: And and that's that, just how I, I see it. I believe you hundred percent in that, and that's why I, I can't just say, um, "Oh yeah, well, fuck, that that life is for losers," and now I'm fucking, yeah. I'm gone. It's like no, there's something wrong there, and I have a lot of love. That even though it caused a lot of bad in my life it did a lot of good for me in my life too. It It, it helped mold me and it it helped make me the man I am today. And I want to go in there and help, you know, I want to help. I want more confidence to come from it. I want more good to be extracted from there and not just say, uh, put, put, throw a blanket over it and pretend it doesn't exist because now I found something better. Like, just like you said, I got a business, I got a family, I got, um, uh, you know i got jujitsu i got all these other things now so if uh, i don't need that as i know man like that you have it in your power to help
1: mm-hmm. you were placed yeah. there for a reason that's 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 why so many people that really look into it respect what nipsey did what nipsey hustle did mm-hmm. i've been up on nipsey for a long time before it was like just like a fad but he was investing in his community starting businesses empowering people to do their own businesses doing these other things who taught him that? How did he learn it? You see, I, I think that it's like we're created with those kind of skills within us already. Mm-hmm. It's just tapping into him. We're always trying to find power and, and purpose from outside. But God already put it inside of us. It's there. So he found that inside and he was able to give all these people so much hope. You know, when they're cruising through in, with, with, in the hearse with his body through his neighborhood, those people were hurting, bro, because... He had such a deep connection to his community. He never left it. You could see him in the '60s all the time. You know yep. what I mean? And I yep. and I respect people people that do that. I respect people that do that. People that'll be there telling the truth. People that'll love their neighborhood. You know what I mean?
0: And that's the only way it's ever gonna change, right? From within. That's like it. you're not gonna get these rich people from outside that they'll wanna help. Like they'll, they but they're only out. gonna help what they what they know. There's you know very very little good ones out there who will, you know, they'll give some funding or their but. It's only going to happen from within, yeah. and if the people who make it out and make a better life for themselves turn their back on, it's never going to happen. Yeah, you know, and it's like uh, if that's it's cowardly,
1: the, that's yeah. something that I, I, it's, it's just hard to deal with. I mean, I think a perfect example is that when the whole gang injunction was happening, I was doing my thing, I had my business, I had my family. I wasn't really involved in it. I, I'm against gang injunctions because I understand that gang injunctions only happen when they're going to gentrify something. So they'll put a gang injunction in place, get rid of all the poor people that they don't want to see, move in all these rich people, and then start over. You're gone. Mm-hmm. That's what gang injunctions are about. There's, there's a lot of scientific proof about that whole thing, socioeconomic proof about how that happens. But I remember just sitting at home thinking about it. I seen Gabby Hernandez. I see uh, you know, Jacqueline Inda, All these different people uh, from JP, all those different people getting into it, fighting against it. And I'm like. I gotta go get back in that mix. I gotta go over there just to support him, And I didn't go to be no speaker or to talk or do anything like that. Uh, I just came back to organize and I took my kids with me and it became this whole fight where we fought for years the community did all of the research the community was the the lawyers were amazing but the community supported the lawyers community did fundraising for all of that stuff to fight against the gang injunction which if there was a gang injunction in Santa Barbara it would have completely paralyzed the youth because they could have put you on that injunction without any kind of proof of you ever being a gang member you know there was a lot of bad things so it's like I was drawn back into my neighborhood because other people that came from our neighborhood were, were in a fight. And I understood it, it, it almost goes back to like how we were gang-wise. There's, there's something happy, something's nutty, so I'm going to jump in. And the same thing, it pulled us back. And we fought it. And Santa Barbara became the first city in the United States, from my understanding, to ever defeat a gang injunction before it happened. That's something that nobody else could say.
0: Yeah, and I don't think that got announced very... That didn't get a big deal made of it. No. Nope. Like, that's the first I'm even hearing that it's yeah. the first in the United States. The
1: gang injunction they were trying to impose on us was bigger than the one they had in Oakland. People wouldn't have been able to go to work. You couldn't work in the waterfront. You couldn't work downtown. You couldn't take your kids to school. There's so many different things that would it would have been really... It would have paralyzed the community. Mm-hmm. But we fought it, you know what I mean? And And that was... That was a big thing. That was a big thing. And then then we realized that it just doesn't stop there fighting that gang injunction. Now we got to help these kids and why are they joining gangs and this and that because we understand the cards are stacked against them already. we got to keep them out of that, you know? So it it was a powerful thing. And I remember, uh, like, I really didn't think we would win because it's never been done. You know, we we fought freaking hard to beat that thing. And I remember the day I was doing a tattoo, bro. It was early in the morning. And a friend of mine who happens to be a cop here in Santa Barbara, he's a cool dude that I've tatted before, sends me a text and he says hey bro because um, they were in deliberation for like three months with it hey bro I'm just letting you know we we got a full bulletin of all law enforcement that uh, Colleen Stern is denying the gang injunction you guys beat it and then he and him being a cop and I don't mess with too many cops back in those days mm-hmm. you know what I mean he's just happened to be good too and he tells me that's what happens when you stand up for what you really believe and he goes I'm proud of you guys so then I freaking I couldn't believe it bro I look and then I you know I, I remember calling Gobby and and uh we we're both choked up, bro. We we're in tears because this is something that could have destroyed our community and we became the first time it's ever happened, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that and gang violence in Santa Barbara has actually dropped considerably since all of that. There's still issues to work because it's gonna go in waves. You know, it's gonna go in waves because kids are doing new things and stuff like that, but
0: Yeah, restricting's never gonna stop it anyways. Nope. So like you said, you gotta change the, the environment and the mindsets of the people who are doing it. But that, was, yeah, because Santa Barbara would have been very, very easy to just fill it back in with rich people. Yeah. There would have been no problem See, with that. Dude. We're
1: already invisible anyway. Like when you tell people from Moxner, I'm well, from Santa Barbara. was like, well, you guys are rich people. I'm like, bro, none of us were <laughs> rich, dude. We are a bunch of like regular people or poor people surrounded by a gang of rich people. That's yeah. all it was. You know, every time you have a really rich community, you got people mowing their lawns, making their beds, taking care of their kids. That's us.
0: But that's fucking awesome to know that when push came to shove, the community came together and said, no, like, we're going to fight for this and it ain't going to happen. Yeah. Like, we don't like it either. We don't like our kids getting stabbed or jumped or afraid to walk around but this isn't the answer and we ain't gonna let it like we know what you're doing yeah and you ain't doing it to help us out no you know so that's
1: funny because every time like someone for like for instance they protest police brutality or a cop kills somebody uh they said well you guys never protest when there's gang violence like so well you guys aren't there you're not on the streets because that's all we do all day every day we're against gang violence we're against kids killing each other we're trying to t- t- trying to expose to these kids why they're doing it you know, trying to have them deal with their hurt in a different way. We are against all of that stuff. And we're actively working against all of that stuff. And we're, and we're trying to do it from whatever our piece of the pie is, whether that's being an employer and giving people jobs. Because, you know, like, like uh, Father Gregory Boyle says, nothing stops a bullet like a job.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You give a guy a purpose, that purpose that's it. Homeboy yeah. Industries, you look what they're doing, biggest gang intervention thing in the country. You know, and that's what you're doing. That's what we're trying to do. You know, half the dudes that work in our shop are either in recovery from drugs, been in gangs. You know, like, like you, know, my, uh, you know, they're from big neighborhoods. And we're all, none of us live that way, dude. We're all just taking care of our families and doing our things. You know, and, it, and it's just a matter of bringing, giving people hope and, and giving people purpose.
0: And what, what do you think the grant, if you could have your strategy and put it in place, how do you think that would roll out because i think you're absolutely correct it's if we give these people the these these people a purpose because they want something to stand for and something to fight for we're human that's what we're meant to do and when they don't have it you 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 look for something to do it for mm-hmm. and until we give until everybody has something to stand for and fight for and have a purpose it's going to continue to go because there's no g- good leadership in place what would be your strategy to be able to provide those opportunities and, and purpose for, for these youngsters?
1: At, at the beginning of the day, and this is something I learned from my, my mentor, Richard Ramos, and he has like parents on a mission. That's something that's really good to look up, parents on a mission. He goes to prisons and he talks to people on, on parenting skills. But I believe that, um, that it starts at home. You know, like, like he uses the analogy. He says, if you go into a garden and all the flowers are dead, all the flowers are dying, do you, do you blame the flowers? Do you yell at the flowers? Do you try to hold the flowers accountable for being dead? No, you hold the people accountable that were supposed to take care of the flowers, that were supposed to put the fertilizer, that were supposed to water them to make sure that they got sun. Mm-hmm. So that's the parents. Like, we need that parenting skills. You know what I mean? You give people parenting skills, they're not going to want to do dumb stuff because they have responsibility. So, like, enabling people. Some parents, are, poverty is another thing that we would have to really address. You have to make it realistic you know, like people are working so much that their kids are slipping through the cracks, and they have no choice. You know, so we have to address address those things. You know, we give people time with their kids, give people those skills to deal with their kids, and then it goes from there. You know, then then there should be mentors and people people that are uh, telling these kids the truth and and all these things outside of the home that will listen to them. You know, and I think I my challenge to like a lot of the homies that, that have come up and done good and everything is like. Get out there and start telling the truth.
0: Now get back out there. Get back yeah.
1: out there. Get back out on the streets. We did. We were back out there on the streets, riling riling these little kids up. I mean, we feel some. We should feel somewhat responsible for any sort of like East Side West Side gang violence. We instigated all of that, so we have a responsibility to come back in and stop all of it.
0: Yeah, and and a lot of them still glamorize it. Yeah. You know, because that's still their little slice of fame that they could hold on to. So so parenting
1: parenting is big it starts at home it all starts at home um helping people get because people are dealing with so much post-traumatic stress from from everything from uh from sexual abuse people don't talk about sexual abuse especially especially in our culture we don't talk about we just sweep it under the rug but a lot of these young boys are angry because they've been sexually abused and they don't know how to deal with it so they need help they really really need help i read a study where Um, I forgot the exact percentage but they did a study from kids that are 15 to 25 in the California prison system and the youth authority and they were saying that it was like 80 something percent of them had been sexually or physically abused and I remember sharing that at a youth facility talking about the reasons of why we do things and I saw a bunch of those little boys tearing up man so it's like that's like that unresolved anger that unresolved um, pain that turns into violence you know we need more resources like that. We need people that they can talk to, people that they can feel safe with. Um, you know we need more, m- more safe places for kids to talk, people that they could talk to. like people like you and I that could say like, Look, bro, I've been through this and that too." because I've opened up about a lot of my personal life experience and whatever they may be, and people were able to connect, like I would have never thought you'd been to that. Mm-hmm. I've never thought you'd been suicidal, because there've been times when I've sat with a gun in my lap. Wanting to just end it all after being successful, you know, so like you, you share that, like I, sh- I, sh- I shared that with someone or I shared like the other day after my dad passed away, I shared something about being the child of an addict and my friend turned around and sent that to her brother-in-law who was a drug addict and his kids, you know, his kids have had a terrible life because he was a drug addict, drug addict. He read what I had written, the little thing I had written on Facebook and checked himself into a rehab and it's already been three months.
0: Just from speaking up, you speaking up on something.
1: Speaking from my hurt, you know, not not being afraid to be vulnerable and talk like this is what hurt me. This is what jacked me up. It could help somebody. So we could tell our story and tell our truth and we could change somebody's life, dude. And if I could change one person's life, they'll change another person's life. It's like they say, you make disciples who make disciples, disciple cycles. And it just goes and it goes and it goes and it goes. You know so that, that's that's we just have to be passionate about helping people. We've got to get back off there. We've got to reverse reverse all these curses that we put on our neighborhoods because we fall into the trap. We're doing exactly what they want us to do so that they could get rid of us so that they could take care of all of it. If they wanted it, they'd have us all living in the desert and driving over here to work for them. <laughs>
0: no doubt (laughs) no doubt with that
1: you know what i mean but no we're here we're going to do our thing we're going to create our own businesses we're going to be we're going to have financial freedom so that we can help other people not so that we can ball out and people can see us driving these nice rides but so that that little kid that can't afford to have shoes and so the one that's going to get bullied because he's too poor to buy school clothes we could turn around and buy those school clothes without anyone knowing anything
0: yeah and you know what i i that's my i wish that one day and hopefully while I'm still alive that it'll be cool it'll make you righteous it'll make you hard to look out for another youngster yeah. Like if you're, if you're 15 years old and you see somebody who's getting bullied or you get, see somebody who has a raggedy pair of shoes instead of making fun of him that you go and you take care of him Yeah. you, you, know, you, you befriend them and the, you- the,
1: the, the thing that's so dumb about it is that if you go to prison first thing they do is they ask you where you're from okay i'm from santa barbara county okay well here's your homies here's the, all the other homies from your area they could be from oxnard santa barbara or santa maria wherever wherever that happens to be what do they do what do you need you need this you need that you need this they take care of each other so all these people that were just hating on each other taking from each other exploiting each other all of a sudden are taking care of each other well why mm-hmm. can't we do that out here what do you need bro so one of the biggest things that we did uh, the last couple years and one of the homies that's busted you know he had a really good heart, and we we what we did we started raising money for people that were in prison right for their kids to make sure that their kids had uh Christmas presents and Easter baskets and we went around and we passed them out and I collected a gang of money from people that business people church people community people to take care of these these other people that had a need you know what i mean i got, got the whole community believe that hey it's a, it's a good thing that this guy 's this guy that happens to be in prison, that his kids still have some kind of Christmas, you know? And, and those are things that we need to do. We need to get back to it. Like all the homies that are that, that have passed away, are we still helping their kids out? We say, we say we're ride or die. Are we still there for their kids? Are we still there for their family? All the ones that are busted and gone, are we still helping them out? Do we even ride them? Do we even care? You know, just one little postcard could change something for somebody. So we mm. we, we need to get back out there. Like if we... So the thing is, is God's given us a gift by changing our life around. Well, if we don't turn around and help change somebody else's life, we could take it all the because it's all temporary. He could, all the money we got, all the jobs we have, whatever we happen to have, we can make one bad decision that's gone.
0: Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Easy. Yeah, even, even not even mean you could be doing everything right. Everything right. And then. But life's fucking crazy, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> life's crazy is not fair. You could yeah. die you could die of cancer, you know.
0: And I see um <clears throat> you know, I I started the business at eighteen, thirty-six or so eighteen years now, and it was cooler uh that to talk about purpose and having something to wake up for and do and it helps me feel significant, helps me provide for my family. And in the beginning uh, my whole workforce was homies mm-hmm. everybody on my crew was was a crazy yeah, I remember, I remember you know? about it. and when you talk about like getting your name smut up by the community like that all the judges like because we had to fill out we send out probation letters saying hey this guy's doing well or somebody ended up going back to county like hey this guy will have a job when he gets back out or or a letter of reference for just court you know, they, they started to think that I was running some um some mafia underground type yeah. of business over here. Yeah. When all I was doing was just trying to keep homies busy and give opportunities. Um, I mean, for the most part, the homies never did something good with them. They just took it as a paycheck and went off and still did what they were going to do. But
1: but you did good for the sake of doing good.
0: I did, I did good and, and it felt good, right? And... And I've always been a, a kind of addicted to providing opportunities. Yeah. And and it, but it went to a certain time where just a few years back, it was like, wow, this this whole business thing—it's not as fulfilling anymore. You know, it's like uh, there's got to be more. Yeah. There's got to be more, and I just couldn't put my finger on it. And but it it took a lot of like self thought and taking your time to just be by yourself and think. A lot of us went on working out too, that's Mm -hmm. some therapy right there. But that's what it all came back to. What you're saying is, Gil, like you're not giving back enough, you're not, Mm -hmm. you're not, you got more power to do right in your community than what you've been doing. Mm -hmm. Having a business is cool, you could provide 10 to 20 opportunities to individuals. Great, awesome. But what else can you do, mm-hmm. you know, and that's when solid foundation was born, because I, I, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm just going to get started. You know, I'm going to jump in and anybody who wants to ride with me can. But that's where fulfillment started coming back on a, on a, on a professional like purpose. And, mm-hmm. Exactly.
1: It's like a different cycle in your life and you found purpose in it. Yeah. Because, I mean, making money is cool. Having financial freedom should be everybody's goal. And when I say financial freedom, is like you want to you wanna buy a home, you want to do something, you want to do something with your kids, you want to go on vacation, you don't have to worry about it. You know, like think about it. Every time a homie dies, what do we do? We have to have a car wash. We have to have a fundraiser. That's a terrible thing, man. We should have to be able to just bury your kids in peace. Or if that something tragic like that should ever happen, you should be able to take care of it. But at the end of the day, money is never going to be my motivation, bro. Like money, I don't... I've had money and I've had no money. Mm-hmm. I've had properties. I've had no property. You know what I mean? And and that didn't make me any happier. It was just when I felt like I was doing the work of the creator and, and just out there trying to help people. That's where I get my fulfillment, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. Definitely. And I, I feel, uh, that's something to stand up and be righteous for. Like if I need to get physical, I got no problem getting physical yeah. for it. And, uh, I think these youngsters, they like fighting. It's human nature. Like we gotta hunt and we gotta mm-hmm. fight, and that's where martial arts comes in. If mm-hmm. I, I if I had a if I had jujitsu back when I was fifteen, maybe I wouldn't have got jumped in. But I had so much anger in me, and I had a lot to prove, mm-hmm. which was the bigger thing. I have, I have more wanted to prove to myself, and that, luckily I wanted to prove it to myself, and I didn't. I never had a. a I never, like, had that want to prove to others. It mm-hmm. was just always I wanted to prove to myself that I could do, that I could stand up for myself. And if I would have had jujitsu, jitsu maybe I wouldn't have needed to be in a gang in order to do that. Mm-hmm. And, but, uh, like, I still do it. jiu is part of my life. And, and uh, before that was doing boxing, right? But boxing, you can't go 100% every mm-hmm. day. You yeah. end up with brain damage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> jiu-jitsu is like chess with your body. you know it's a it's a mental game yeah you got to be in shape but in the most part if you're if you're smart enough and you've been training long enough you know how to to move without exerting too much strength so you can go hard you can and it's something about either giving up and and when you tap letting giving that power to the other person to say hey if this was real life you would have got me to a point to where you could have killed me, broke my arm, choked me out. And so being able to be humble enough to tap to somebody and submit to them is very humbling. (laughs) And then it's powerful to be able to know you have that power to do it to Mm -hmm. others. So like I would, I think martial arts needs to be a part of schools. Like Mm -hmm. there should be a department like, Forget in-house suspension. Forget, all, um, you know, um, expulsion. If you are um, getting in trouble and you're already in a, a martial arts class within within the schools because they're on every campus, your your punishment is to go on the mat. Like if you have a behavioral problem, go go with your instructor or go with your peers and, and get yeah. it handled. You know, you want to be a badass. You want to bully him and. W- and go, go handle it there. Or you two got beef? Cool, come and squash it. Come and squash it in a safe environment where you're going to have people watching and you guys are going to be able to, to take out your aggression on each other mm-hmm. because it's there. It's, ne- you're ne- it's never going to go away. People get mad at each other. People have problems. Sometimes you need a fight in order to get it out. You can't talk every problem out you know, right. until you learn those skills. But even, even now, I deal with, just like you, like 20 people a day just within our, our business that's not talking customers clients contractors other... if I didn't have jujitsu to go choke a motherfucker out or go get like stop myself fight for my life I, I, there's no way I could be as calm and cool as collected as I can to, that, me, that I like need to be working you know?
1: out working out diet all mm-hmm. that stuff affects you I, I gotta work out yeah I don't care how tired I am I gotta get in there I gotta do some kind of work whether I'm just doing push ups or whatever it is cause it's Keeps my body right. Keeps my mind right. Yeah, I like
0: to see fitness and martial arts in every school as a mandatory, mandatory thing.
1: And we help kids. And again, it's another thing in prison that they make you do. Like you go to visit anyone in prison early in the morning, you hear them doing the counts, doing the rutinas. Everybody has to work out. Everybody has to be doing this and that. Those are freaking good things, you know, like if they could bring that out here because if you're healthy physically, you're going to be healthy
0: healthy mentally. Your mind will follow. Yeah.
1: And we don't even really think about like all the stuff we eat,
0: how bad it affects what our mind. No, they say, here's a pill for that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. See, I don't want to take, I I don't want any kind of pills. I'm cool. You know what I mean? I'm not, I say, I don't say that lightly either because people do have to take some stuff, but like we take care of ourselves. we take responsibility and we should do it out of an act of gratitude, you know?
0: And and I feel if we had those things and we could purpose, if we can say that, like, gives, like if you need something to stand up for, there's plenty of standing up for already. You don't need to go into a gang to do it. Like, stand up for the kids that are in those gangs. Stand up for your mom, your grandpa, who, who struggle to make every paycheck. Like, get up and do something. And, uh, and uh, that, that, uh, we're far away, but if we could switch that mindset. And, you know, like, I remember going out and kicking, and I didn't, I didn't know then either, but I'd be like, oh, cool, this homie's house, fucking, his, his mom goes and buys us the brew.
1: <laughs> his
0: mom's the one who kicks down the shit. And she lets us party all night, and we could come and go as we please. And me, I always had my home to go to with yeah. both my parents there. So me, it was like, uh, cool, I'm done with over here, I'm gonna go over there yeah. to a place where I'm loved, and, and, and I'm fed. And I didn't know back then. I just thought how lucky that homie was to be able to do whatever he wants when he wants. Not knowing now that it was a loveless, love, yeah, it was lo- a loveless, pro- dangerous environment. Probably where sexual, you know, molestation and yeah. all that was just oh, rampant yeah, yeah. because no one cared. No one. It was just a, a shell of a home, and uh, and just the damage that it does. The
1: enabling. I mean, it's like. Dude, can you imagine? Like, I know of parents that have been in prison with their sons, with their own kids. Can you imagine that, dude? Can you imagine? And I remember listening to the story of one of the original big dudes from prison back in the days, and he changed his life around, and he said uh, he had a dream. What changed it is he had. He was in the hole in Pelican Bay. He had this dream that his grandson was being arrested and brought to prison with him, and that dream... After all the killing he did everything he did it did something to him he just said that was too much to bear to have my own kids there you know what I mean so he made decision to change his life and he didn't go tell on everybody he didn't go do this and that he just changed the way that he was thinking changed the way that he approached his family and then for the rest of his life just worked in his community and helped people dude
0: yeah, and I think that's that's always that there's plenty more help needed right <laughs> yeah so these, these older homies that may feel like, well, I can't get a job. Uh, I got this record. I'm I'm useless. They came up from those homes that we were talking about. There's no love. There's no foundation there. Mm-hmm. That there is an opportunity here. Like, yes, maybe maybe you're not going to get paid. Maybe there's no money. But the fulfillment you get from it, there's no money that can buy that type yes, of feeling.
1: Out of all the work I've ever done in the last 14, 15 years, the intervention stuff, we've never been paid. But... It just fulfilling, so fulfilling to see some of this, like some of the kids that I've coached that have gone on to college, things like that. I mean, it's just like it it, it does something to yeah. you, man. It gives you more purpose, and yeah. then you know it just keeps it going.
0: And and if you're if you're a a youngster and like you said, it starts with parenting. And if you're a youngster and you don't have those parents, that a lot of times that's what they're looking for, right? The rappers and and the and the the music that's out there, the movies that are out there. That stuff kind of needs to start changing too. Like uh, you heard a Hobson mm-hmm. like not all of his songs, but some of his songs like there's some good, like Ill Mind 5, mm-hmm. Ill Mind 7 when he's talking about being a loser cuz you all you want to do is party and spend your parents money and then in, in Ill Mind 7 he talks about faith and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. if we get more and more of that because if you just listen to it like I've asked old, um, older, older cats. Hey, listen to this. Nah. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's cool. But do you hear hear the lyrics? I'm like, no. What they you, they don't even yeah. pay attention to the lyrics of what's being said. It just sounds like a dope beat and somebody's rapping. And what everybody's used to is like hoes and, and, and money and stuff. Because
1: yeah. they haven't but, they haven't unlocked their own intelligence, well, so they don't they don't value it yet.
0: So, but there's cats these days. There's youngsters these days that have talent. That they could be rapping about Mm -hmm. like good shit. They could be rapping about the struggle still, Mm -hmm. but what they did good with it and how they could help with it. Because we need all the help we could get, you know. And if whether it's um, this podcast or the work we're doing physically, the more media we could put out there because not everybody's going to have those parents to go to. Mm -hmm. Um, But we have
1: to, that's what we we have to step in. That's where mm -hmm. our responsibility is. We have to be the parent for, for those kids. We have to be the one that. Tell tell people you love them, encourage them, tell them you're proud of them. All these things that homies are not supposed to say to them, it means something to them, you know? Like it means something if you're proud, like help showcase them if they're artists or whatever they do, just back them up, do it. You know, we have to fill those voids because our actions as kids created voids. The way that we lived. People ended up dying, people ended up addicted, people ended up in prison, and there's kids attached to all of that. So some of our actions created voids that are gonna create more voids. So we have to go back in there and fill it. And fill it. We gotta go back in there and fix the mess that we made. Yeah. You know, and that that that's just our responsibility. And if we don't do that, we're just cowardly and selfish and die with no purpose, man. You know what I mean? Like I remember one of my mentors took me into a graveyard. He's like, I want to show you something. And he took me to the graveyard, and he goes, what do you see here? And I said, I see a gang of graves. I don't really see, I don't, I don't really see anything. And he goes, look deep. I still couldn't get what he was saying. He goes, when I look out here, do you know what I see? I see a bunch of potential that never made it. Mm-hmm. I see a bunch of people that never lived out their purpose. I see people that are dead now because somebody else didn't choose to live in a different way and help them through it. And Ifreak got me, and then he just got in the car and we just drove off. And that, that was 25 years ago. And that, that, every time I go there, I think about all of the potential that never flourished, you know?
0: Yeah, the potential that never flourished. And, and what if you had a little yeah. little just interaction with them in, in their life? What difference could you have yeah. made? You know? So that's why I'm hoping to have more and more homies like yourself whether it's from our from you know the east side from the west side galita it doesn't matter just any homies that are willing to have the balls and courage to say hey that life ain't ain't what it's about and there's a and, lot
1: there there's a lot of people that are doing the work that that don't get any recognition because it's, it's a thankless job you got to do it for the right reasons but then there's a lot of people that are willing to get into it. But they just don't know how. Mm-hmm. I was tattooing on a homie from the West Side the other day, and we were talking about all of this, man. And he's just gassed up on how we could do it because neither one of us want to see the East Side and West Side start going back at it with each other. So there's, there's, we share ideas. We bounce ideas. We share intelligence. We, we swap different um, resources yeah. and things like that. And we could encourage each other. We could network together. Yeah. But it's just about doing it, you
0: know? Yeah. If you know any, oh, you could always let them know, Hey, there's Gil Regalado in Santa Barbara. Yeah. Yeah. Have them come, you know, and, uh, anybody could look up, look up your name, go ask around. Anybody could look up my name and ask around. We ain't, we're not here because we got, we dropped out and we got shot. Leva. Yeah. We're here. Cause we always stood our ground and you could go ask anybody. And that I've never heard one bad thing said about you. Um, and, and, uh, and i hope to think that that's the same yeah. for me and 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 we're real we're here sitting talking about these things because we want to make a difference we want to stand up and we want to fight we want to get active yeah and, and if so, you
1: want to talk bad about that that we want to flip it around and, and and tell the truth and if they're going to lie to these kids and we're going to turn around and tell the truth good yeah. I, I, you want to talk on me about that good talk about that
0: yeah yeah, we're right here. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, All right, we wait, could we do could have that money. conversation, or we could go another notch, whatever, <laughs> yeah. whatever you want to do. But we're not gonna sit back lightly and let you know our neighborhoods in this city fucking go down the drain because a bunch of cowards are running the show. Yeah,
1: you know? and then you know I I've have homies from prison hit me up like, bro, you need to talk to my son. My son, my son, he got in the gang, you know. And I've seen some that slip through the cracks. One one homie told me like, talk to my son, and now his son's in prison. And and that's a sad freaking thing, bro. We could change that, you know?
0: Yeah. and and we can't save everybody. No, sometimes we can't, but we can try. Like, it breaks my heart for my, my godson. Like, I've tried to do everything. A, a house for him, structure, keep him busy. And just something couldn't... It just couldn't. Like, fucking the gang had too much control of him. And he wanted to be such a big shot for him. And fucking, it's like... Yeah, you can't win them all, but that also gives you fire to, to, to go back harder, yeah. you know, and try to build something bigger and better so that we have more power to change mm-hmm. and, and not lose as many.
1: And I think it's important also to uh, not be so cynical so that someone does go down the route of addiction, someone does get busted, and we think, well, they're washed up, it's over. We, mm-hmm. That's one that slipped through the cracks. No, not necessarily. That's just wasn't their time because there's plenty of homies that have been in and out of prison that, are, that are came out had a normal life. There's people that have been addicts, that are clean, that are helping other people. Until the last breath, nobody's expendable. Every, there's a chance for everybody to turn it around. Because I feel like I'm turning it around every day. I got issues. I got issues just like the next man.
0: Uh, when I yeah, talk to people no.
1: on a personal level, you want to talk about issues? I got issues, bro. There's things that I'm working through. I got anger issues. I got all kinds of things that I'm working through, but I'm working on it. You know what I mean? I, even, like, I always thought like on my grave it would have been cool. I had this weird thought that... That they could carve on my grave. Thank you for your patience during construction.
0: Because
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> that's just how I feel. That's like. a I'm, good one. I'm in construction, bro. And that's just, you know, it's like we're just beggars telling other beggars where to find bread for free. That's it. That's it, man.
0: Well, Philip, I, I, uh, I know we didn't get to spend too much time on your, on your life, uh, your exact life, but I think what, everything you said had, had to be said, had to be heard. And I appreciate your time hopefully we could do this again. Yeah, yeah, it's Uh, cool, man. It's cool. Dive into even more detail. And like I said, uh, when we're talking on messaging, maybe there's some more things we could collaborate on to, to do on a more, on a physical work. And right now we're doing the verbal work. Um, is there anything that you'd like any closing thoughts?
1: Um, I, the only thing I would say is that no matter how bad it seems, no matter what we're going through, there's always hope. There's always Some sort of purpose in everything um, Just don't give up Don't give up on your kids Don't give up on the kids that are out on the streets Don't give up on each other Don't give up on the homies Just continue loving people no matter how they treat you Continue loving them in action Doing for people even if they don't appreciate it Because we do good for the sake of doing good Not for any kind of recognition And we are who we are Because somebody loved us So I would just always keep that in mind You know that's pretty much it.
0: Well, I appreciate your time. All right, cool, man. Thank you, Philip. Thank yeah, thanks, bro. If you found value in what you heard in this episode, please share it with others and remember to subscribe so you can stay up to date with all future episodes. You can also help us provide job opportunities to teens by recommending Legacy Installation to all companies you know of that have needs for anything office furniture. Tell them to contact us through our website www.legacyinstallation.com or call us at 805-319-3274. Legacy is a school of work ethic for teens that uses office furniture installation as teaching material. So the more work we have, the more we can teach teens a solid work ethic while they earn a living.